Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. and welcome to Beneath the Surface. Paul Morano, your host, glad you could join us today. Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meets. I usually have a guest, but uh, tonight uh, we couldn't get one, or we didn't get one. So we are going to go solo, just me and you together. Uh, Beneath the Surface, where faith and reason meet, where truth, life, and love are one. You can, uh, if you're listening to us audio, you probably got us from breadbox.com and uh, our video casts are through the YouTube page beneath the surface uh, with Paul Morano or the personal page of mine that is paulmorano.com so feel free to try to find the rest of our shows on either one of those two sources YouTube or my own personal page paulmorano.com tonight ladies and gentle things we are going to talk about Throughness. That's right, throughness. Because we are on the line of the creed that is, through him all things were made. You know, what does this mean? We'll we'll delve into it together. But first, let me just back up a little bit because we are on show number nine of our new series called The Creed Beneath the Surface. And what we've been doing in the previous eight shows is that we have gone over each line or each phrase of the Nicene Creed beneath the surface so that we can um, together understand it a little deeper. Instead of just going into mass and repeating words, uh, we want to appreciate them a little more. And that's what we're doing in this series. So let me just review for you a little bit of what was in show, what, what, uh, what transpired in shows one through eight before we start show number nine, which is on the line of the creed, through him, all things were made. So in show number one, we spoke about simply the first two words, not even the first phrase, simply I believe. And in that show, we distinguished between faith and belief for one. And that is, it was talked about that basically in, in this sense of the word, you believe things or words or propositions or teachings, and you have faith in persons. So in a religious sense, uh, you believe doctrines, and, but you have faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, if you, uh, if you believe in someone, you tend to, uh, well, let me, let me put it this way, because this is how the, the words are used. If you have faith in someone, you tend to believe what they say. And so um, if you say, you know, I have faith in you, then you tend to believe that um, 
they will do the right thing and what they say is generally right. Um, you know, you have, you often have to have faith in a person in order to believe what they say, because you, if you can't figure out what they're saying with your own human reason or your own human experience, then faith in the person really helps. When it comes to religious faith, of course, uh, we wouldn't believe necessarily of those truths that are taught by the church that transcend our reason if we didn't have faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So we distinguish between faith and belief. And we also distinguish between faith, reason, and science, the three avenues, if you will, to certitude that everybody has. We are certain of the body of knowledge that we know vis-a-vis -vis at least one of those three avenues. Belief or faith, we'll use them interchangeably this time in that sense, human reason or understanding, or the scientific method, uh, the senses, experience, experiments, faith, reason, and senses. Now, in the one sense we talked about, that's, these are three distinct ways of knowing something and we can know something through experience, through reason, through faith. And in another sense, we understand that you need faith in order to even believe what you detect through your senses or, or in order to believe what your reasoning uh, concludes. Because ultimately, you have to have faith in or believe in your senses that they detect truth or your reasoning power that it can detect truth. And it's interesting because, you know, we're going through a postmodern era right now where a lot of people do not necessarily believe in, in, in reason. Um, some don't even believe in their senses. Um, of course, Descartes went through all of that, but it's, it's interesting how when you tend to ignore or reject God, you also tend to reject reason. And there's a reason for that. God is reason. God is logos. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. When you reject reason, you reject God. When you reject God, you reject reason. And that seems to be what's happening today in our postmodern era where we don't, even, um, we don't even think things out anymore because we don't trust our own reason. And the reason is because you don't have faith in the person of God. If you have faith in the creator, then you're going to trust what he created to bring us back a little bit. But anyway, we made that distinction between belief and faith. And in another sense, the distinction between faith, reason, and science. And um, then we went to the second show, which was In One God. I believe in one God. Now, this was a show, of course, relating to monotheism. And we talked about how, uh, you know, how it is certainly differentiated uh, with the two other great religious isms in world history, and that is pantheism and polytheism. And the Jewish people, were living in a world where um, all around them were, were polytheists and pantheists. And so this was uh, God's number one um, objective, if you will, uh, in the Old Testament with the people of God is to wean them off pantheism and polytheism and to make them understand that Yahweh, God, is the only God. He's the one God. And this was the the, the beautiful thing, one, one of the beautiful things that the Jewish people gave the world, monotheism. 
you know, that God, and then of course the, the Christian philosophers um, sort of um, made that, made the teaching of monotheism um, more rich and, and uh, more profound in as much as it, it, it was concluded that there can't be uh, any uh, more gods than one because God is infinite and eternal and he is being itself. There is no room for other gods with a small g. Um, so anyway, we talked about monotheism and, uh, and, it's, uh, and what it has uh, given to the world and so forth. We believe in one God, which was really the introduction to the creed because that's what we believe. Everything else sort of explains this belief in one God. But that was the next line. In show number three, we talked about the first person of this one God, which was the Father Almighty. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And that was the show. The Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. There you have the bottom line of what Christianity believes that the Father is for us. He is our creator. We do not exist without the Father. Uh, he created us out of nothing. He created the entire universe out of nothing, out of, out of the goodness that overflowed in his eternal being, uh, wanting to share his goodness with, with creatures. And so the Father created, and he is almighty. Well, it means he can do anything he wants. And what he wanted to do, one of the things, was to create a universe out of nothing and to create human beings in his image and likeness so that he can have a relationship with part of his universe. Um, very important um, parts of the Bible. One of the most important lines is Genesis chapter one, verse 27. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. And so we are made in the image and likeness of God. We are the personification of God's creation, physical creation, that speaks to him on behalf of all of all the cosmos. We are the walking, talking dimension, the personal dimension of this creation of the Father. And hence, we are his image because God is persons. God is not simply a force. God isn't an animal. God isn't a, a plant. Uh, he's not an inanimate object. He's not a, he, he, he's, he is personal. And we talked about during the show how not only is God eternally and infinitely one without any barriers, without any boundary, but he's also three in as much as he is triune in his essence or nature. And we talked a lot about that, how God can be both one and three at the same time, because we're talking about his being and his personhood and how we image that in the family. And uh, there's a lot to say about that, but I don't want to take any more time on that in this show. And that was show number, we believe in one God, we believe in one God, the Father, that was show number three. And in show number four, we talked about what he created, all things visible and invisible. All things visible and invisible. This was his creation, according to the creed. Well, it's certainly interesting to talk about the visible dimension of the universe. And we love, as humans, to discover more and more that visible universe that God created. You know, we, we've built telescopes and microscopes, and we like to travel and discover, and we're out in space now, and 
it's just wonderful. You know, we still, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the physical world or the, the, the world that is visible or seen. But a lion's share of that show was about the invisible part of the world that God created. And that is fascinating because we're talking about the world of angels and how angels are persons without bodies. You know, they are up there in the hierarchy between God and human beings. <clears throat> You've got, uh, you know, animals who are bodies without spirits or bodies and not persons. You have humans that are both bodies and persons, and you have angels that are persons without bodies. And of course, then you have the infinitely higher than that is God himself. <clears throat> but the world of angels is fascinating because we can't see them. We, we rely on divine revelation. Uh, in our belief in angels. There's no way to experience them unless there's a miracle and they, you know, they, they show up to us in, in bodily form so that we can understand and see them. But um, they, transcend our, our, they transcend our senses. They are the invisible part of the world. And we talked about how a percentage of them uh, said no to God. Why? Well, number one, they're persons. So they are asked by God to make a choice. God proposes like a, like a man seeks uh, a wife and he finds a wonderful woman and he proposes. That relationship does not happen. That union does not happen unless she says yes. Persons must consent in order for there to be love in order for there to be a real relationship. God does that to us, and God does that to angels because they too are personal creatures. Some of them said no, and that's what hell is all about. The hell is, hell is for those who reject God, for those persons who have free will and intellect that are able to reject God. And of course, angels have intellect and will just like humans do. <clears throat> their, their rejection was permanent, because they're not bodily, they don't grow and change, they don't mature, they knew everything that they needed to know in order to make a perfect and eternal decision. And those that rejected God are demons. And we talked about that. Everybody has a guardian angel. We can see that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10 that we can depend on and have a relationship with. <clears throat> and another really interesting thing we talked about that show was how According to Aquinas, and it's very reasonable if you think about it, every angel is his own species. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you can imagine the world, the earth, there being only one octopus, only one uh, chimpanzee, only one beetle, only one bird, only one human, that's what the world of angels is like. There's only one of each species. Uh, an angel is one, a unique species unto himself. This is because, as Aquinas, as Aquinas um, explains, that angels don't have bodies. They, they're not physical. They don't grow and change like us, but they also don't reproduce. How do you get other individuals within a species? Well, you reproduce. All animals do it. And there are other animals. There are more, there are more than one hippopotamus because there are, we reproduce. Angels don't, they don't have bodies. There's no reproduction. Every angel that God creates is unique, is a unique species unto himself. Hence, um, it's, a, 
it's a very interesting idea that angels are of the same genre, but they are of different species. Animals are our genre. It's like us and all the other animals in the animal kingdom. We are of the same genre, it's called animal. Um, with angels, they're of the same genre, we call them angels. However, each individual angel is his own species unto himself. Very interesting. It's like Adam, not having an Eve and not reproducing anybody. <clears throat> Didn't happen. We're physical. Wasn't God's will. So, we did talk about all things visible and invisible. And then the creed goes right into the second person of God. And we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. And that was show number five of this series of the creed beneath the surface. <clears throat> and in that show, we simply did what is what might be obvious. We talked about those three words, Lord, Jesus, and Christ. And we mentioned how Lord is uh, a word that you use uh, for total submission. If you are, sub uh, you know, submit yourself to someone, uh, you are a disciple of someone, uh, you are a, um, you know, they are your master. That's what it means to be a Lord. They lord over you. Now, if it's a good, benevolent lord, like God is, uh, then uh, you're all set. Then, you know, he will only do what is good for you because he knows what is good for us infinitely better than we know ourselves what is good for us. So, so generally, that's what the word lord means. And when, you know, people use it in a religious sense, they simply mean God because we are to fully submit ourselves to God who created us out of nothing. The word Jesus in Hebrew is interesting. <clears throat> in the Hebrew language, Yeshua, which Jesus comes from, uh, means savior. Literally, Yahweh saves, or God saves. That's what Jesus was named. That's why the angel in the, in the Gospel of Matthew told St. Joseph, um, you will have a son, uh, uh, excuse me, Mary will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? According to the Gospel of Matthew? Because he will save his people from their sins. The gospel doesn't say that for no reason at all. It says that because the name, the word Jesus in Hebrew means savior. And that's exactly what Jesus was for mankind. He's the Lord of mankind. He is the savior of mankind. And then the third word is Christ. Of course, now Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which was transliterated from the Hebrew, Messiah. And the English translation of that is anointed one or chosen one. Because in biblical times, when you were chosen for a, a, a great task um, from God or by God, you were anointed. Um, you see that throughout a lot of Old Testament figures. They were anointed with oil. Oil symbolizes you know, giving you strength to do the new thing that God wants you to do. Sometimes your name is changed. It's such a profound uh, uh, identity change because of what God has called you to do. So Christ is not only, um, when, when we speak about Jesus, not only an, um, not only a um, uh, Messiah or, or a Christos, as the Greek would say, he is the Christ or the Messiah of the world who is to save their, his people from their sins um, because of our rejection beginning in Adam. 
And so we talked about all of that, what that means with regard to Jesus and the second person of God in that show. Show number six of this series was the only begotten son, born of the father before all ages. And so we got into the processions here and how the son is eternally begotten of the father, or born of the father before all ages. Now, basically, they convey the same thing, those two phrases. Uh, when you're, you're born of the Father before all ages, it means before time, before time. God transcends time. He's out, he created time, so he's outside of time. Um, born of the Father before all ages means eternally begotten of the Father. We talked about the processions of how, how the Son is generated of the Father and how he was never made in time. And um, how, uh, you know, that, that's, that generation of the Father and the Son can be sort of reflected in, in mankind. And uh, we see it reflected in the Adam and Eve story, where Eve was born out of the side or the rib of Adam. And then when, you know, when they both woke up, they rejoiced. And the love between them. Uh, eventually was was Cain and then Abel and then Seth of the the love between the relationship of Adam and Eve. Well, we can see that really quickly. We can see that through the Trinity and how that works and why we as his image uh, reflect him in that way because uh, the son is born of the father or eternally begotten of the father, similar or analogous, of course, to Eve being born of Adam, but of the same substance, of the same consubstantial. That's what that means. Eve is the same substance of Adam. They're both humanity, distinct, distinct sexes, but both humanity. And as scripture speaks of in the, in the uh, book of Genesis, that you know, as they split, as the two halves of humanity, there was always that desire to come back as one and that's why the uh, in genesis chapter 2 uh, verse 24 scripture says that you know and then the two became one flesh when adam met eve eve met adam they were in love presumably under the grace of god they were married before god and they became one flesh the two halves of humanity came back again the father and the son love each other so much that that love becomes a person. That love is a person in the Holy Spirit, which we will talk about in a show um, just in the near future when we get to the Holy Spirit and the creed. So, so far we've gone through, I believe, in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, never made, but, but uh, you know, generating of the Father as his word, as his eternal wisdom, as his eternal mind, if you will, from all eternity. Which brings us to show number seven, which was our last show in the series. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. So basically, the, the church fathers here were saying at the Council of Nicene, make no mistake about it, the Son is just as much God as the Father. 
you know, there was a there was a great heresy at that time going around that they wanted to squelch called the Arian heresy, where the um, the, the priest Arius were, was spreading this false understanding of the son as being created by the father in time. And he basically said that uh, the son was uh, the, the, the highest of all things created, but he was still created by the father. And the church fathers were saying, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding all you Arians. Scripture, the word of God tells us and we can see this clearly in the letters of John and especially in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, that the, the Son was never made. He was never created. This procession, this begetting of Son from Father is an eternal begetting. It never had a beginning. The Son, the son is always like the Father is always. And that's what God from God Light from light, true God from true God was trying to express, trying to make no mistake about it, to be very clear that God the Son is co-equal to God the Father. Um, well, what, what do we mean by lights? Well, this is a this is a scriptural term, particularly used by the event the uh, John the Evangelist. Uh, and we see it a lot in his letters, but also in the gospel, he speaks that God is light. God is light. Well, when we think about light, we think about two words pretty much, truth and goodness. Truth and goodness. That's what light is, which, which basically is love. All things good is what light is. God is light, and God gives us light. In other words, the more we uh, accept him, the more he comes into our hearts to enlighten us so that we can see reality as it is. You are the light of the world, Christ says, and that is because those who have faith have his spirit within us. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and that brings us to our show tonight. Through him, all things are made. Through who all things are made? Through the Son, through the second person of the Trinity, all things were made. Well, we've seen in the creed so far that by the Father, all things were made. Now we're seeing in the creed that through the Son, all things were made. And we get that distinction in our, in our minds. We're, this is very important, I think. That all things are made by the Father through the Son. By the Father through the Son. The Son is like the tunnel or the bridge between us creation and the father creator and uh this bridge or this tunnel is divine himself because he's the divine word so you have god the creator god the bridge um through whom all things are created now you can also see the son as as the instrumentality of the father that's um you know a carpenter builds a house through tools um you know, a person, you know, I used to, I used to live in the uh, Boston area. A person cannot get to Logan Airport. Literally, they cannot get there from the North Shore unless they go through the Sumner Tunnel. It's impossible to get to the airport without going through the tunnel because there's a bottle, body of water and uh, you, can't, you can't get there any other way. So Jesus is that tunnel. The, the airport is the Father, uh, synonymous with heaven in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, um, the kingdom of heaven means the kingdom of God, speaking of the Father. 
Um, so through the tunnel, you can get to your destiny, which is heaven or the father, or in this case, this analogy, the airport. But you also have to be inside. You also have to have, a, you have to be with the power of the automobile in order to get there. You have to be in the car in order to go through the, uh, the, the tunnel in order to get to the airport. And that car, car that power of the engine, that's, that's um, yeah, that, that's, that power that enables you to get there is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't even go through the tunnel. <laughs> or to use the analogy properly, in order that uh, without the Holy Spirit, you cannot know and love Christ. And if you don't know and love Christ, you can't get to the Father. Um, through him, all things were made. And as, as um, scripture says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to me except through the, uh, nobody can get to the Father except through me, says Jesus. That's because he is throughness. He is the mediator between God and man, as St. Paul tells us. Through him, all things were made. Now, the funny thing about Jesus as mediator is it goes both ways. You know, let me put it this way. If you listen to all the prayers uh, within liturgy, within the mass, I'd say at least 90% of them are prayers from us to the Father. And that is because the Father created us. He created us in his image. He wants a relationship with us. We want a relationship with him. And so our prayers are to him, but through the son. Now, if you notice, even though most of our prayers are to the father, very often our prayers end with, and we ask this, what? Through Christ our Lord. We ask this through the eternal son, because through the son, we are able to be in union with the father. So all creation is by the Father through the Son, and all creation goes back to him in praise and glory through the Son to the Father. By the Father through the Son, and our thing is through the Son to the Father. That's what the offertory is all about. We give the Father ourselves and, and how, we, uh, how we did our little part in transforming the world that he created we're supposed to be the, his co-creators, according to his will. Basically, every Mass, we give ourselves in the offertory, along with whatever money we give, symbolizing um, you know, who and what we are um, as saying yes to the Father through Christ. There's a lot more to say about this notion of throughness and mediatorship. He is the one mediator between God and man, because there is no salvation without Christ. Without Christ becoming incarnate and sacrificing himself for our sins, we would be dead in sin. We would, be, we would physically die and we would spiritually die in this life and that would remain, we'd remain in eternal misery because the soul is immortal by nature. We would be in hell for all eternity, if not for the uh, mediatorship of the eternal son who became flesh and dwelt among us, which we will get in a show in the near future. I guess that's about all I'll say about this. It's a, it's a very rich line. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it when we talk about the incarnation, because we just started to mention that. 
our next show on Beneath the Surface is going to be um, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Uh, so this is the part of the creed that we go from the divinity of Christ to the humanity of Christ. God, uh, the second person as God, the second person as man. Because of course we know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And this is where the creed distinguishes that um, his humanity are from his divinity, even though he is one person. Talk about all of that next time on Beneath the Surface. You have been listening to a special broadcast of Beneath the Surface, the creed Beneath the Surface, show number nine in that series. I'm Paul Morano. Again, you can see this show and all of our shows if you want to see it uh, through video. Uh, just Google um, Beneath the Surface with Paul Morano or go to my personal website, paulmorano.com, and that's Morano with a U, just like the car. Glad you could join us today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Again, signing off Beneath the Surface. Have a great, great week. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.